Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. I'm getting ready for your Sunday night when you present the devotional. I know it's hot tonight, but... uh, Steve's pointed out pretty well to us to someplace else a whole lot hotter. So uh, let's suffer through this a little bit this evening. I'll try not to to be long-winded and, and we'll really try to cut it to a bit short. You have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke chapter 14. We'll begin reading with the 16th verse. A very familiar passage of Scripture. We hope to have the air conditioning on by tomorrow evening. The motor for the unit will be in tomorrow sometime, and we have assurance that it will be installed sometime tomorrow afternoon, so we'll be back to normal, hopefully. Maybe uh, something like this causes us to appreciate the good things that we have at times, and we must suffer through it. Luke uh, Luke 14. Right on. I can do without it. Doesn't uh, the heat doesn't bother me like it used to. Okay, beginning of the 16th verse of Luke 14. A certain man made a great supper and bade many and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuses. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that the servant came and showed his Lord these things. And then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed, the halt and the blind, And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there's room. And the Lord said unto his servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you, that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Let us pray. Lord God, take your word now and apply it to our hearts. If there is an unsaved individual in this congregation this evening, may the efforts of this service be designed in such a manner by the power of your Spirit that their hearts would be warmed and filled with the power that comes from God on high, for we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I remember reading several years ago the story of a very wealthy man in Washington, D.C., who had read this particular passage of Scripture 
and did a very peculiar thing. He sent his chauffeur around the city in his limousine with engraved invitations. And he handed these invitations out to every derelict and street person that he could find. And on the invitation was the fact that at such and such a time, a limousine would stop at that particular spot and pick them up. And they were invited to a feast. And all over that city, the limousines picked up the ugly, the unclean, the, the worst of, of society in the whole city of Washington and brought them to a tremendous banquet where they were served in the finest manner as the best people of the world were served because he read this passage and those who would not come were left out and those who were out in the highways and hedges were invited into this tremendous banquet. The parable talks about the benefits of being a Christian. And I want us to, to look a little bit at this in a very quick manner. There are advantages to being saved. We could name all kinds of them, and I want to deal with some of them this evening. But the advantage that we have of being a Christian is that we're going to be invited into a banquet that the Lord has prepared. The Lord is not chintzy when he does something. He's not stingy. He wants the best for us. And the only reason we don't have the best is because we don't prepare ourselves to receive the best. That's the only reason. He wants us to have all good things in life here on earth, but more importantly, he wants us to have the good things that he has prepared in heaven for us. And he talks about it being a banquet. How many of you have ever eaten at the Greenbrier Hotel over in Greenbrier County, White Sulphur Springs? Any of you? Nobody? Then I can tell you a story. I've been there and I ate there. One time. I've been there several times. I ate once. The only reason I ate that one time is because they offered it free to me. Had I been paying the bill, I couldn't have eaten. Lunch was $18, and I thought that was a little steep for lunch. But they took us. I was there making an inspection of the Greenbrier. They've got seven kitchens in that place, and I was inspecting them. They took us over to the tennis courts, where they have a table for brunch or lunch or whatever they call it. And that table was 40 feet long. It was covered with every kind of food you could imagine. And I had the privilege, of, along with other people, of going up to that table and making my selection from all of those fancy foods that were there and plenty of people standing around uh, waiting to, to do anything they possibly could. And, uh, and so I, I chowed down, I'll tell you, because there was a banquet there of anything I wanted. I was glad that they didn't tell me I had to pay the bill. But the real needs in life are not satisfied at a 40-foot table covered with food. The real needs in life are satisfied at a table that God prepares that are covered with all the necessities that we have. Sometimes we spend so much energy on thinking about feeding our body that we forget that there are things that are more important than food or clothing. And consider the amount of money and the amount of time spent on those two things in our life and you will discover that we overemphasize the importance of the physical. 
when really the important thing about anybody's life is not what he does with his body, but what he does with his soul. And here comes the the real issue, and the Lord is preparing a banquet for us to come, and we can go to him at his table and have all of our needs met. And we're talking here not just physical needs and physical desires, but more importantly, those things that are spiritual, those that really go deep into our life. He is interested in helping us in living He is interested in helping us solve problems in family relationships, in the job problems that we have, the lack of or the difficulties on the job. He's interested in the matters of our heart, in the matters of our soul. And on God's table there is a display of all the things that he offers that will satisfy us in all of these areas, plus many others that I didn't even mention. I think David must have been thinking about this when he wrote the 23rd Psalm, when one of the statements that he made was, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Now what's on this table? I want to suggest six things that are on God's table. And I know that I haven't begun to cover them all. This is going to be a six-course meal. The primary dish upon that table, the primary course, is that of forgiveness. If there is anything that we desire in our lives, it is to have God forgive us of our sins. If we don't get that dish, we don't get anything. We don't have anything worthwhile unless we can stand before God and know that God has forgiven us of our sins. Because without the forgiveness of our sins, we don't have eternal life. We won't get into heaven. There is nothing worth living for if we are living condemned. But the scripture says the sinner is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. So the main course is forgiveness. The second item on that table is sonship or childship for the benefit of of you ladies who may uh, think that I'm being chauvinist by saying son, but I'll use that in a general term. Sonship, meaning that we have become a child of God. There is one thing about that table that is different perhaps than any other table you ever sat at. In order to sit at that table, you must be a child of God. Strangers in this particular incident are going to be turned away. Because the feast that God has prepared is for those who love him. We must be his children to be invited into this particular feast. Thirdly, is fellowship. I remember one of the things about my home was that when we came to the table, my dad sat at the head of the table and we had fellowship. We talked. When we go, all of us on our Our children now go home and we have a a family gathering, as some of you have as well. You are thinking in terms of the great time of seeing everybody and the fellowship that, that we are engaged in. Now, the same thing is true with God's people. We surely have fellowship with each other. 
if there is an estranged relationship in our midst, we need to determine what it is and overcome those difficulties because as we sit down at God's table to enjoy His bounty, we are there to have a good time to enjoy each other. I can remember on a few occasions that strangers would come to our door or or people who are not members of our family, let me say it that way, not necessarily strangers. And we were sitting down to mealtime, and my father or my grandfather always, always, always invited whoever it was to come in and sit down and eat with us. But the thing that I remember is oftentimes those people would decline the invitation. And they would say, no, I'm sorry, I don't have time, or I just ate, or I'm not hungry, or some other excuse. They did not feel comfortable in sitting down with our family. Listen, a person who is not a Christian will be uncomfortable in the midst of Christian people. And rightfully, you, we, you ought to be if you are one. God wants us to have fellowship with each other and with Him. And if we are not saved, then we're not going to be in a position of having that kind of fellowship. Like Adam and Eve when they tried to hide from God in the garden because they had been sinful and tried to hide. They did not want the fellowship. All right, fourthly, and I'm hurrying on because of the, of the, the heat. Friendship is the next thing I would say that was on that table. The scripture described Abraham as a friend of God. He was pleasing to God. There is nothing that puffs a person up than the being introduced and someone says to someone else about you, this is my friend. I like that statement. I would much better rather be your friend than be your pastor. I would much rather be your friend than your acquaintance or anything else. Because that that makes me feel good. It says something about our relationship. If you say or I say friend, then we have an understanding as to the relationship we have. Can we call ourselves the friend of God? Is God our friend and are we His friend? Those who are friendless are indeed a sad group. And you know people who don't have friends. I can think of nobody sadder in all this world than a person who has no friend. I remember as a kid when I moved from school to school, and oftentimes uh, my, my dad moved a good bit. Being a school teacher, he was transferred from one school to another, and so we moved. And I dreaded that first day of school. You remember your first day of school in a strange school because you didn't have a friend in the world. That was the most miserable day of my life until I finally developed a friendship. Well, people who are friendless are certainly miserable. We ought to be friends with each other, but a person who does not have God as his friend, the Lord Jesus Christ, his Son, as his friend, is indeed a miserable individual. Now, let's go on to, to number five. There are some things that happen here at this table that we ought to recognize and that is we are given the benefit of achieving something for God's glory. My dad would say to me and to the, the other two boys and we always dreaded this when we got our assignments 
I was to go do such and such, and they were to go do such and such. That was our afternoon's job, or our morning's job, or evening job, when the assignments were made at the table. But listen, that's a blessing. If God gives you and me something to do, sitting there at the table, we ought to be glad. Because He has chosen us and selected us for a task. Those of you who stand behind this pulpit and lead the devotional, God has selected you for that. You ought to be glad that you can do that. Those of you who are singing this BYF choir, you are performing a mighty work, a glorious work for God. You ought to be glad of the privilege. Because it means that God sees you as one who can accomplish something for Him. And it may seem so little that all you can do is sing. But listen, somebody's listening. It may be the Philippian jailer who is listening as we talked about this morning. And lastly, God and Steve, Steve just stole my thunder on this one. God is talking about the glorious blessings of an eternity. The future. And Steve, you did a good job in the things that you said. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15, 19. If ye who are in Christ have hope only in this life, and that is all, then ye are of all people most miserable. Did you hear that? If all you have to show for your life is what you've got here, you're indeed miserable. Because life doesn't end. Life continues. Life is eternal. A person's life that began at birth will never cease. It will be lived in heaven or it will be lived in hell. But life goes on. It will be in punishment or it will be in the glorious bliss of sitting at the table of God. But life goes on. There is a future blessing and a promise at this table. Now look at what these people did. They began to make excuses. One said that he had financial problems he had to go see about. He had done some purchasing. And many people will let their business affairs get in the way of their spiritual affairs. Now, we don't have to own a business to have this happen. We can let our own personal affairs become so, so big and so important to us that it overshadows our relationship to God. It makes no difference what's going on in our physical lives, our personal lives. Jesus Christ ought to be first. And everything else will fall in place properly when we put the Lord Jesus first. We will have things properly sorted out. Another one said that he had bought a yoke of oxen. He had to go prove them. Prove them. Did you hear that? He had to go prove them. There are many people who have said to me, and you have heard some of these statements, that I will become a Christian as soon as I can figure out what the Bible is all about and what it's saying. Listen, you're never going to become one if that's the case because everybody always has those problems that we can't understand and can't comprehend. Some people have said to me, I don't understand where Lot got his wife. Why can I become a Christian? If that's the most ridiculous thing, as far as I'm concerned, to pick out some small item in the Bible that we can't understand and say, until I understand that, I'm not going to become a Christian. Some people say, until I understand what all this stuff is about eternal security, or whether you're saved by works or saved by grace or whatever you're saved, I'm not going to even try it. Some are saying, I'm not going to become a Christian until I can figure out which church is right. Is it the Baptist church or Methodist church or Church of Christ? 
And if it's a Baptist, it's the Free Will Baptist, the Southern Baptist, the American Baptist, the General Association, regular Baptist, or whatever Baptist it might be. That again is getting to be pretty ridiculous because our salvation is not based on those things. It's based on our relationship to Jesus Christ. And that's all. Another one said, I just got married and I can't come. Now he was the most ridiculous guy of all. He didn't even ask to be excused. There are people who will allow their families to keep them from serving God. And we all fall into these difficulties. And I certainly agree that families ought to go together. But listen, if families don't agree to go together and be a family unit in the service of God, sometimes it causes us to put ourselves on the line and have to go by ourselves, most particularly, most particularly, this thing of salvation is individual. If there is a husband and wife who are not saved, it makes no difference, wife, if what your husband does. It makes no difference, husband, what your wife does. Jesus Christ doesn't deal with the marriage. He deals with the individual for salvation. And if you want to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and is accepting you Savior, you better do it on your own. Because you're not saved or lost based upon what your spouse might do. Well, look at the fate. The guys come in and say, well, now, everybody we invited didn't come. They all made excuses. And the Lord said, well, then you go out and you get those that are in the streets and you bring those in. You compel them to come. You encourage them. You invite them. You bring them. There are many people who have been invited to the kingdom of God who have said no. And the Lord has said, all right, if you don't want to come, you just stay out. We'll find somebody to take your place. Now, I say this to you if you're not a Christian tonight. If you don't want to accept Jesus Christ, that's your own personal decision. That's your own personal decision. And you can go to hell if you want to go. And the Lord will say, if you don't want to come to heaven, okay. It's not the way I want it, but that's the way you want it. That's the way it'll be. I'll tell you what you're going to miss. You're going to miss the joy of having your sins forgiven. And in hell, a person is going to look up and regret the decision that was made. But at that point in time, it's too late. A person is going to regret the loss of sonship. Not being a child of God and not having all the blessings that God has provided. He's going to miss the joy of fellowship. He's going to miss the joy of friendship. But most of all, he's going to miss heaven itself. Why? Because the invitation is given. And man says, I'm sorry, I have other important things to take care of. I've got a business to run. I have... Affairs to take care of. I just got married. My family doesn't want me to. I'm worrying about what my mother or my father might think or what my husband or wife might think or what my children might think. Those things get in the way. The invitation is given. Jesus said, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come. That's our job as a church. We've been trying as best we know to compel people to come to the kingdom of God. That is to put the pressure on so that they can understand and comprehend what it's all about. But the person comes down to the decision all on his own, and there's nothing we can do about it. So the the groundwork is laid. We have pointed out what the Scripture has to say. And this very evening, I don't know the condition, the nature of any heart, but you know your own. If you're not a child of God, you haven't been at the banquet table. 
and you haven't enjoyed the things that God has to offer, we have a tremendous blessing awaiting for those who will receive the Lord Jesus. Will you do it tonight? Let us bow, bow just for a moment of prayer before our invitation hymn. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.